Hi everyone, welcome back to the Dealmakers ILF podcast series. This is Buket Bayral. Today, along with Basavan, I have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Markus Burianski, and we will be talking about third-party funding in international arbitration. Hi Markus, we are grateful to have you on this podcast. Hey Buket, thanks for having me. Hi everyone. Before we start, may I invite you to briefly introduce yourself? Sure. I've been a partner in Whiting Case since 2012, and I'm the head of Whiting Case's German arbitration team. I also have the honor of serving as a lecturer at the ILF. Thank you, Markus. And maybe we can start by defining the third-party funding. And could you explain how it works in international arbitration? Third-party funding refers to a scenario in arbitration where an individual, or more often an entity, not directly involved in the dispute, provides financial support to one of the parties involved, and this is usually done in exchange for an agreed returns on their investment. Third-party funding initially developed within conventional court litigation and subsequently found its way to the domain of arbitration. It serves as a means to provide access to justice, particularly for parties who may have limited financial means to cover the costs associated with arbitration proceedings. It is important to note that in these kinds of arrangements, the funds provided are structured as non-recourse loans, meaning that the repayment is contingent upon the success of the arbitration outcome, i.e. if the party who has been funded loses the case, then the funder will not get anything. Of course, there are different concepts which have evolved over time. Yeah, but in litigation funding, I think it's evident that it provides access to justice for people who cannot afford otherwise. But when you think about parties entering into arbitration agreement, they are often corporations with substantial resources. And I think they might have an idea about how much they are going to spend in this proceeding. So why would the corporation seek third-party funding? You're absolutely right. Normally, when corporations enter into arbitration agreements, they are very well aware of the potential costs associated with the arbitration process. However, the issue may arise when unforeseen circumstances or higher-than-expected costs arise. In some cases, parties may not have thoroughly assessed or fully anticipated the expenses involved when signing the initial agreement. Moreover, arbitration is not limited to well-established corporations. It also plays a significant role in investment arbitration cases involving individual investors or small or medium enterprises. In such situations, individual investors may lack the financial resources necessary to pursue an arbitration claim independently, making third-party funding a viable and attractive option. Besides, third-party funding in arbitration serves not only as a means to access to justice, but also as a tool for risk management from the perspective of companies. By utilizing third-party funding, companies can mitigate the financial risks associated with arbitration or litigation proceedings. This approach allows them to keep the costs off their balance sheets and effectively manage their resources while still pursuing their claims or defenses. Thank you, Marcus. And you mentioned earlier that third-party funding is often characterized as a non-recourse loan. And I'm wondering why funders would willingly take on such a risk. Could you provide some insights into the factors that motivate the funders? Third-party funding can be an attractive investment from the funder's perspective. While there is an inherent risk involved, the potential rewards are also substantial. Funders recognize that by assuming the risk of financing the arbitration, they have the opportunity to secure a significant return on their investment if the case is successful. The higher the risk, the higher the potential reward. 
making it an appealing proposition for funders. Additionally, third-party funding is not tied to the volatile and unpredictable nature of traditional financial markets. Unlike investments subject to market fluctuations, the success of the funding arrangement relies primarily on the outcome of the arbitration. This aspect can provide a level of stability and predictability for funders, making it an attractive option within the investment landscape. Finally, it's important to note that third-party funders conduct their own due diligence before deciding to provide funding. They carefully evaluate the merits of the case, assess the likelihood of success, and consider the potential recovery or settlement amount. Once funders have conducted their due diligence and determined that the case has a good prospect of success, they are more likely to move forward with providing funding. This evaluation process helps mitigate some of the risks associated with third-party funding. I'm also curious about the process. How does it typically unfold? Could you shed some light on which is the first party to approach the other party? Is it the funder or the client? Funders are unlikely to actively seek out potential cases to invest in. Instead, in my experience, the process often begins with the party seeking funding, reaching out to potential funders, or more precisely, their counsel reaching out to potential funders. This initial contact usually occurs through a phone conversation. During this initial interaction, the party provides certain key details about the case while maintaining the necessary confidentiality. Important aspects shared may include the amount of the claim, the nature of the dispute, for example, whether it's a commercial dispute or an investment-related matter, and any unique or notable features of the case. Following that initial conversation, if the funder expresses interest, its due diligence process typically commences. This process involves a close collaboration between the funded party's lawyer and the funder, and I may want to add at that point that the funded party's lawyer does not advise the funder. On the contrary, the funder often involves uh, its own counsel. The funder carefully reviews the memorandum, asking pertinent questions and requesting additional supporting documents or information as needed. This due diligence phase serves to assess the viability and potential success of the case from the funder's perspective. And when funders undertake due diligence, what are the key elements they typically examine? What factors do they look at? One important factor they consider is the amount of the claim, obviously. They evaluate the financial magnitude of the claim to determine if it aligns with their investment parameters. Funders assess whether the potential return justifies the level of funding required. Another critical aspect they examine is the likelihood of success. Funders delve into the merits of the case and assess the strength of legal arguments, availability of evidence, expert opinions, and so on. They aim to evaluate the prospects of a favorable outcome and assess the overall chances of success. Enforcement considerations also often play a significant role in the due diligence process. Funders assess not only the merits of the case, but also the potential for successful enforcement of the arbitral award. They analyze factors such as the credit standing of the respondent, legal framework and track record of enforcement in the relevant jurisdiction, and in investment arbitrations also the availability of assets outside that state's uh, jurisdiction. Could you elaborate on the specific expenses or costs that third-party funders typically take on? I think it's important to bear in mind that the specific expenses covered by third-party funders may vary depending on the terms of the funding agreement and the specific circumstances of the case. In general, however, third-party funders take on the responsibility of covering the costs directly associated with the arbitration proceedings, including administrative fees, 
arbitrators' fees, attorneys' fees, experts' fees, and so on. In some instances, the arbitral tribunal may require the funded party to provide security for costs. This serves as a guarantee or assurance that the opposing party's costs will be covered if the funded party is unsuccessful in the arbitration. Let's slightly shift our focus to the aspect of settlement. Are there any restrictions imposed by the funder when the funded party wants to negotiate for settlement? When it comes to settlement, the funded party's ability to pursue and accept settlement offers depends on the terms of the funding agreement. Third-party funders may impose certain considerations or conditions on whether the funded party can engage in settlement negotiations and under what specific conditions they may do so. However, these restrictions largely depend on how much control parties have over the claim and how the funding agreement is structured. In some cases, the funding arrangement may involve an assignment of the claim to the third-party funder. In such situations, the funder may have a say in decision-making processes regarding a settlement. On the other hand, if the repayment obligation is structured as a mere contractual arrangement, the funded party may have more flexibility and control over settlement decisions. The funder's involvement may be limited to the financial aspect without direct influence on settlement negotiations. Thank you, Marcus. Could you tell us the key considerations that parties should be mindful of before arranging third-party funding? Some jurisdictions have specific regulations or restrictions regarding funding arrangements, so parties should verify the legal framework in their jurisdiction to ensure compliance. It is advisable for parties to sign exclusivity arrangements and non-disclosure agreements with a third-party funder. These agreements may impose restrictions on seeking alternative funding or sharing case-related information. Parties should also consider the disclosure obligations set forth by the chosen arbitral institution or the contractual framework within which they operate. Many arbitral institutions require the funded party to disclose the existence of third-party funding to the arbitral tribunal and the opposing party for independence reasons. One crucial consideration, in my experience, is the potential duration of the case. The longer a case takes to reach a resolution, the higher the funder's share of the eventual award or settlement may need to be in order to justify the investment from a return on investment perspective. This can become a significant factor, as there may be a point where the funder's share becomes too high, making the funding arrangement less appealing for the funded party. Similarly, such cases lose appeal for the funder because the funded party's skin in the game will be too low. Is there any cap uh, on the percentage of awarded amount that third-party funders can claim? For example, I don't think they would be permitted to claim 80% or more. I'd be curious to hear where the 80% figure comes from. Uh, in terms of statutory caps, I'm not aware of any specific regulation setting the maximum percentage that third-party funders may claim. In practice, however, it is rare to find arrangements where the funder is entitled to demand more than 60%. This is because funders generally recognize the importance of ensuring that the funded party has a significant stake or skin in the game, in order to encourage cooperation and align their interests. Therefore, while there is no strict statutory cap, market practice tends to adhere to a standard where the funder's share is kept within the reasonable range that allows the funded party to retain a significant portion of the recovery. So far, our discussions have primarily focused on the scenario where the funded party wins the case and third-party funders claims their share. And... What if the funded party loses the case? Who bears the risk of paying the winning party? 
In the event that the funded party loses the case, the responsibility of paying costs to the opposing party typically rests with the funded party itself. If the funded party lacks the financial means to cover the adverse party's costs, it can create a significant disadvantage for the opposing party. To address this potential issue, many arbitral rules nowadays require disclosure of third-party funding arrangements. The purpose is that this disclosure enables the opposing party to request in-time security for costs, which serves as a form of protection to ensure that the funded party can meet its financial obligations in case of an adverse outcome. As we near the end of this episode, I thought it would be interesting for our listeners to hear your opinion on third-party funding through tokens. Because during our research, we came across a case in California uh, where the public funded the litigation through tokens. And could this public offering model be applied in international arbitration? And maybe in future we can talk about initial arbitration offering. What do you think? I very much appreciate your creative thinking, but I very much doubt it, to be honest. Um, confidentiality is a crucial aspect of arbitration proceedings. Parties involved in arbitrations often value the confidentiality of the process, and I think it's therefore unlikely for that a public offering model like an initial litigation offering uh, will be directly applied to arbitration cases. Additionally, the token-based funding model, as far as I understand it, relies on constant communication and public disclosure to inform investors. In the context of an arbitration where confidentiality is key, maintaining such a level of transparency may not be feasible or compatible with the nature of the proceedings. As the field of third-party funding continues to evolve, it is possible that new funding models may emerge in the future. However, any such developments would need to be to carefully navigate the unique characteristics and requirements of arbitration. And I'm happy to continue our discussion when new models have appeared. Thank you, Marcus, for this insightful conversation and thank you to our listeners. Happy to discuss with you. It was an honor to be here and to be on the podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe for this podcast and stay tuned for the upcoming episodes.